Um, over the last month and a half, um, I've had the opportunity to go on two biblical tours, uh, one in Greece and one in Israel, the Holy Land. We actually just got back from the Holy Land. Um, I got back Friday. And while I was there in both of these places, if you go on any tours like this, you stand in these cities. When I was in Greece, I, I would stand in Philippi, which is just ruins. They are, they are ruins, a monument to what God did something, to what God did back then, doing something incredible in that city, but it's ruins, it's a story of the past. There's no people that live there anymore. I was just in Israel and standing in Jerusalem or by the Sea of Galilee, Capernaum, where Jesus did most of his miracles. Now, when you see this place, it's ruins. It was covered with earth for almost over a thousand years and before people discovered it, these places are just monuments of the past to what God did back then. When I was in Greece, I stood in Thessalonica. And if you know the New Testament, you know that one of Paul's, the Apostle Paul's letters, was to the church of the Thessalonians. And that city now is not ruins. It's a massive modern city with 200,000 college students and young adults it's booming. Their economy now has resurrected, and it's booming. And I'm standing in this city. I was walking around one day by myself. I had my AirPods in. I'm standing in this city at night. Thousands of people walking around me everywhere. The missionary that we were working with told us that there might, in a city of 1.2 million, there might be a couple thousand, what they would call evangelical Christians, in the entire city of Thessalonica. I'm walking around that city. I have my AirPods in listening to worship music. And I just was praying under my breath, looking at all these thousands of people in this big square, this shopping area with restaurants and stores. And I began to ask God, are we ever going to see again what you did in this city 2,000 years ago? Are, are we ever going to see a revival in the West like what happened in the Roman Empire? Are we ever gonna look around and say, I'm proud of this place and this place where I can raise my children and be confident that people have their priorities in line, that the Spirit of God is moving and miracles are happening? And I was asking God, I said, God, can this happen again? Can we actually see revival happen in cities and nations again? And I was walking around that city and I just began to cry. People looking at me were probably like, what is wrong with this guy? But here's what I know. Here's what I know. The Bible is not just stories of what once happened. They are stories of what are happening. The Bible tells us stories of what can happen in the future. And here's what I know. If God did it there, he can do it here. If God did it then, he can do it now. I believe that with my whole heart. And I come back from these two trips and there's a fire in my soul because I don't wanna come home and come to a city where people are so desperate and completely dependent on who's going to be elected to see a turnaround in a city, a state, or a country. I believe we have the solution. It is in the word of God and it is a move of the Holy Spirit that is authentic and genuine where lives can be changed forever. That's what I believe. But it all comes back to what you believe, what we believe collectively. Over the last couple of years, I have uh, been on this journey to really try to figure out why 
We're not seeing today what the Bible talks about back then, at least in our area of the world. It is happening, but just not in our area of the world. And I ask why, and there is this, over the last few years, there's this word that God keeps using people to speak into my life. It's jumping off the pages in scripture. Have you ever just been through a season where you just knew God is trying to tell me something, right? This word that keeps coming into my spirit and my mind from different people, it's a very simple word that we all know. It's just the word faith. I have the tendency to be someone where I have to wrap my full mind around everything. I've gotta know how it works. I've got to sometimes, I mean, you're all like this. I am too. We all want to some degree to control things and we want to have a plan. This is how it's gonna happen. This is when it's gonna happen. And every time we present our plan to God, I promise you, God in a very kind way begins to chuckle in heaven. Because when we say, God, this is my plan, he says, actually, this is my plan. But this word faith keeps coming into my mind because I do feel like it is one of the keys to unlocking what God wants to do. Hebrews 11.1 in the Amplified Version says, now faith is the assurance, title, deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen. The conviction of their reality. I love this last statement. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Can we understand and comprehend as fact that God can do today and here what he did back then? That's the kind of faith that it's going to take to see God work through a church, a collective of churches, churches in a city, in a state, working together. This is what it's going to take, but it's gonna take us believing it can actually happen. Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please him. I mean, the writer of Hebrews is not mincing words. He doesn't say, but without faith, it's highly unlikely. You can. Without faith, it's gonna be hard. The writer of Hebrews says, without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please him. Impossible. Could it be that some of the things that we might view as being impossible, could it be that those things are waiting for us to unlock them with faith? Where, where God is saying, I want to work through you, but it's gonna, be, it's gonna take faith in me, God is saying, to really see some of this stuff come to pass. So over the next few weeks, here in Albuquerque and there in Maui, we're gonna be talking about our, our vision and what we're wanting to accomplish in this year's Heart for the House offering. And since our endeavors are gonna be slightly different than yours at this time, I'm gonna turn you guys back over to Pastor Sarah. Can we all here give them another huge round of applause? We love you guys so much. When I think about the, the name Heart for the House offering, and again, over the course of the next few weeks, I'm gonna really be detailing what that means and, and what we're gonna be doing. But a, a verse comes to mind. I wanna put three different versions of this same verse up on the screen. Matthew 6, 21. Matthew 6, 21 in the message says this. I love this one. The place where your treasure is is the place you will most want to be. The, the place we invest the most is the thing that's going to get the most of us. Matthew 6, 21 in the Amplified. So where your treasure is, there your heart 
your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers will be also. That's direct, it's powerful. Matthew 6, 21 in the NIV. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, where your treasure is. What's our treasure? Is it money? Well, yeah, but it's also other things. It's our time investment, it's resources, it's talent, it's money, where our treasure is, where the center of us is. That's the thing that's going to get our heart. It's going to get our heart. One commentator said this, it also emphasizes that where someone puts their interest, resources, and energy, it truly reveals their priorities. The heart is a Hebrew idiom And it's the center of a person in ancient Hebrew culture. It's the center of a person. It expresses the totality of one's self. The totality of one's self. And every year for Heart for the House, there's a reason why we named it this. Because we want the people that attend Citizen Church that call this place home to have a heart for this house. Yes, of course we have a heart for the church at large, but this is where we're choosing to make home. And if we have a heart for this place, then what's gonna happen is our treasure, our time, the center of us, we will actually be able to invest at a level where things can truly begin to change in the community we've been put in. I wanna read a couple statistics to you, and I I promise, yes, this is all going toward a big heart for the house offering, but this whole series is not about money. It's about vision, and it's about what we believe God has called us to do as a church. Here's a few statistics, though. On average, only 32% of church attendees volunteer at any level. This is nationwide. Only 32%, so slightly less than a third of all Christians who actively attend church, less than a third, will ever volunteer at a church at any level. Volunteering time is part of investment. Uh, Our church is a lot better than that statistic, but still, I think it's worth thinking through. Another statistic, on average, Christians give only 2.5% of their income to churches. Only 2.5%, and that's on average, and and so I I want us to think through that. All of the different places in our lives that get money, and I know there's have-tos, and I promise you, this sermon is not about guilting, like, you spend more on Netflix than you, I'm I'm not into that. I'm not into guilting anybody. I just wanted to show facts on the screen. But I do think there are times in our lives where we need to be confronted with facts and look at ourselves and say, where is building the kingdom of God, church investment on my priority list with time, money, resources, talent? Where where is it on that priority list? The truth is we give to things our heart belongs to. And here's what I believe. I believe the vast majority of the people in this room that go to our church, that actively attend, I I believe that, I I think there's very few people that actively attend, Christians that come to our church, very few people that would think, I don't wanna give anything. Because I think common sense says, you look around and you go, man, this was made happen by a lot of people who sacrificially gave, right? I think most people want to do something, but we're human. We walk out and we get in our car and what we felt in a moment is now out of sight, out of mind. It's hard to adjust priorities. It's hard when you say, we're gonna finally do it and then your water heater breaks at your house. It's hard to say, hey, finally, this is gonna happen and then your kid wrecks the car. That's never happened to me. But finally, but whatever it is, I feel like most people, their heart wants to 
But maybe also, I think there's a bigger number of people that maybe aren't able to invest all of their heart because at the end of the day, we don't really fully know what we're a part of at our church. We're, we're waiting for the presentation to know this is why I love my church and this is why I want to invest. Um, I, I mentioned that we were in Israel this last week and um, about three-fourths of the way through the trip, it was like museum, museum day and, and I, I like museums, and, but toward the end of the day, you're kind of getting tired and, and we were kind of just getting goofy. And this next museum we were going to, it was called the Friends of Zion Museum. Anybody been to that before? Friends of Zion Museum. I'd never heard of it, but I was like, sounds cool. We go in, they split us into a couple groups, and we were in the second group, and we go in, before you go into the museum, they have all these like photo booths. I mean, it was like nice and fancy. It didn't look like an arcade, but it was kind of like an arcade photo booth. So they have all these photo booths, and they say, okay, we want each person to take a photo before you go in. We have a surprise for you at the end. That's all they said. That's all they said. So I'm thinking, it's gonna be a fun surprise. So I was kind of feeling like in a goofy mood, so I go up and um, I take this picture and it was not a serious picture. And then we go into the museum and I kind of forget about the picture, the photo we took. And each room in this museum, we find out this whole museum is about Christians throughout history who have rallied behind the Jewish people to help support, defend, and propel into the future. Martyrs, we learned about different martyrs that were Christians and we go through all of these rooms and it's emotional, people were crying. This is a heavy, heavy hour and a half. I had forgotten about the photo. So finally, the, the guy that's taking us through the museum goes, hey, we're gonna go into this little theater. We have a final video. Um, we wanna show you about maybe how you can partner with us. And I was, I was very emotionally moved. Now, now I know what Friends of Zion is. I wanna be a part of this financially. I, I love what they're doing. We sit down in the theater and this guy on the screen is talking. He says, and now, after hearing all of these things and these amazing people from the past, you too, it's an emotional, it's like the altar call of the museum. It's like this serious moment. He goes, and now you too can be a part of what God is building, defending the Jewish people of the world and setting them up for the future. And people are crying. It's emotional. I'm like, this is amazing. And then all of a sudden you too can be a part and in your faces, these are the faces of the next generation of people who partner with us. And here comes this stupid picture I took. I want to, I have it. <laughs> and our whole trip from Israel, they're looking at me like, Pastor Dustin. And I'm like, it was a photo booth. What? In, if I just would have known, I would have had a different heart. <laughs> okay, you can take it down. Okay. <laughs> I had no idea what I was walking into, so how could I have a heart for it? Whew. I wasn't even the one who bought this. One of our staff members bought it to blackmail me, but <laughs> joke's on her. Okay, so here's what I wanna do for the second half of my message today. I wanna tell you what you're a part of. This is a very different Sunday. It's not a typical sermon. Obviously, everything is rooted in the Word of God but I, I wanna kind of give a state of the church address today. Is that fine with you guys? I wanna show you and tell you what you're a part of, and I wanna talk to you about how the hand of God has been on our church, and it is extraordinary to see what God has done through our church, not only sustaining us through a pandemic, but allowing us to thrive and grow at levels we never knew was possible. 
I wanna read our vision statement to you, and that's what I'm gonna do today is break down each component of our vision statement and talk to you about what our church is doing. Here's our vision statement. We are a Christ-centered, spirit-led, kingdom-building movement committed to the physical and spiritual renewal of cities and nations, restoring hope and purpose to every person. Everything we do as a church, everything we do as a church will fall into one of those categories. If it doesn't, we don't do it. It starts with Jesus, goes into the Holy Spirit, the mission of building the church and what we're called to do on earth as citizens of heaven. If it's not, if it doesn't fit in that, then it's not gonna fit in the Bible and, and we're not gonna do it. So what I'm gonna talk about today, primarily these statistics and what we've accomplished is gonna be since 2019. But I also wanna tell you, I am highly aware that nothing of what I'm gonna say is a pat on my own back. First of all, it all is about the glory of God and glorifying him and his hand being on our church. And I also wanna say, when I say our church has accomplished, it's not saying what we have accomplished, it's what you have accomplished. You are the church. There, there's no pastor to get a, a, you know, a pat on the back. It is all of us invested under the banner of God's provision. And I wanna make it clear with 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 7 that this is God's. The apostle Paul said, I planted the seed, but God made it grow. It's not the one who plants or the one who waters who is at the center of this process, but God who makes things grow. If we ever forget that it's God, then this will be done by man. And when anything is man-made, it always collapses. Let's look at the first part of our vision statement, Christ-centered. We are a Christ-centered. That should be obvious, but I'll tell you there are some places and some churches that call themselves Christians, but there's not a whole lot of Christ-centeredness. I wanna show you the priority on this. Since 2019, we have had 3,416 salvations, commitments to Christ. That's pretty awesome, right? 333 baptisms in our, our Sunday morning services. I think that's amazing. And I think this is really cool too, being Christ-centered with our family setting Christ as a priority. We've had 149 families dedicate children to God on this stage on Sunday mornings. Yes, you can clap to that. We are Christ-centered. Everything is about taking as many people to heaven with us as we possibly can. We are called to make a difference in the physical on this earth. But if we ever abandon the spiritual, we're no longer a church. The second part of this vision statement, we are a Christ-centered, spirit-led. If you've been a part of our church uh, for the last couple years, you know that, man, I mean, we are just upping the ante on emphasis on the Holy Spirit. We know now that what we've seen in the West is churches have gone to the end of everything churches can do in their own power, and now churches, as Christianity is declining in the West, are starting to ask, what have we done wrong? And I believe the answer is, at some point, we stopped depending and relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, and we started relying completely on man-made systems and man-made ideas, which those aren't bad, but they cannot be ultimate. There's only one ultimate way we win, and it is through the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit active and alive in churches today. We are spirit-led. One of the greatest ways in our church that you can fully know what, who the Holy Spirit is in your life is through our Alpha courses. I am a huge fan of Alpha. In our Alpha courses since 2019, before the pandemic, 816 people have attended Holy Spirit Weekend, which is halfway through the Alpha courses. It's amazing to see, and, and so many of those were filled with the Holy Spirit, and their lives are changed forever. 
40 people during the pandemic <clears throat> participated in Holy Spirit Weekend online during the pandemic. I, I know a handful of people by name that were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit sitting in their room or in their living room or in their car watching something online. This is what tells you that God goes far beyond the walls of a church building. He can meet you anywhere you are at any time. This summer, we did a Holy Spirit night on a midweek service, and we're planning on doing another one. 850 people attended something we called Holy Spirit Night. We sat in meetings, and we were like, should we name this something creative? You know, and I just thought, you know, let's just call it what it is. It's Holy Spirit Night night, 850 people made it a priority to come on a Wednesday night and hundreds flooded the altar, flooded the altar and were baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit that night. It's amazing to see what God can do, his Holy Spirit can do when we have faith that he is who he says he is. To go beyond just conventional human wisdom and live in the realm of faith. The next section of our vision statement is kingdom building. We are Christ-centered, spirit-led, kingdom building movement. So kingdom building, what does that mean? We put kingdom building in here because we want you to know, and we always want it to be a reminder to us that we are never just about this church. We are about the church. We help churches. In a few weeks, we're gonna talk about what we've been doing for other churches, but we're about the kingdom far more than we're about citizen church. Do I love citizen church? Yes. I'm called to lead Citizen Church, but at the same time, I love the church. We love the church. Uh, last year, during our Heart for the House series and offering, you financially allowed us to launch a brand new church network called, Cho uh, called Co Church Network. We have 39 churches actively involved right now in the network. 39, 27 in what we call a friends level of resourcing, and 12 in the family level where there is deep connection where there is uh, deep um, help. You know, it's amazing just a few of the things that we've done. I'm gonna talk about this again in a couple weeks on a larger scale. But what we're able to do is so many pastors are pastoring smaller churches and they don't have a support system around them to help in critical situations. Many pastors are bivocational, meaning they have a full-time job to sustain them because the church cannot financially sustain them and they would rather the church have ministries than the church pay them. And they don't have the resources. Our church, because of your generosity, has wrapped our arms around them, and we have enabled them to do and to walk out and fulfill the mission and vision God has for their church. I think it's amazing. Yes, you can clap to that. Last week, uh, my brother Brandon preached. Wasn't it phenomenal? I was sitting, yeah, I was sitting in a buffet for dinner. Some of you guys were with me on the trip. Buffet for dinner in Jerusalem, watching him preach, and I just got emotional just reminiscing on the beginning conversations, which I'll hit in a second, but Union City Church, we helped launch them. They have 350 people now, average on attendance every single Sunday, two services. They're already having conversations about three services. And just about a month and a half ago, they reached the point of becoming fully self-sustainable. Guys, that is almost, un yes, I think that's huge. It's almost unheard of for a church in their very first year, much less Washington, D.C., to be fully self-sustainable within one year of launching. The next section of our vision statement is movement. We are a kingdom-building movement. What does that mean? Oftentimes we say this statement here, and it's so true, especially in the church world. Here's the statement. We move at the speed of generosity. 
I'll tell you this, we never have a vision problem, ever. But sometimes we have a vehicle problem, right? There's a vision, there's so many things we feel like God has called us to do, but at the same time, there has to be the financial backing to do those things that God has called us to do. And thank God that we have a generous church and we have been able to do a lot of those things, but now in this season, it's time again to up the ante on what God wants to do in and through our church. Throughout the pandemic, I wanna show you this, this is astonishing. Throughout the pandemic, these are a few things that we accomplished. We raised money to build out a brand new online studio to reach people who could not be reached otherwise during the pandemic, cash. We raised the money, we built it out, all new equipment, we paid for it with cash. We built a brand new Serve Team Central, an area, a gathering uh, area for all of the people who serve on our serve team on Sunday mornings. It's been amazing to see how much that has benefited all of our volunteers. They have a place to go before, during, after services, a place where we feed them and help and do all kinds of things. It's amazing, we paid for it with cash. Last year we set out a vision during Heart for the House to raise money to completely gut and remodel our youth auditorium, placing our next gen as the priority in our church. We raised the money, we did it, cash. This is during the pandemic. Citizen Church Maui, during the pandemic, became fully self-sustainable and no longer relies on Citizen Church Albuquerque for financial aid at all. During the pandemic, became fully self-sustainable. During the pandemic, like I mentioned, as most churches were shrinking back and, and trying to rally and gather resources, we stepped out and launched a brand new church network. So it's not just about saving ourselves and holding on till we get through the pandemic. One of the things I felt at the very beginning was God saying, don't press pause, press fast forward. Don't press pause, press fast forward. I want you to keep moving, keep growing, set a vision out, help other churches. And God was saying, and watch what I will do with a generous church. We launched a church network at a time where people would have said conventional wisdom, you just need to make it through this time. Don't keep expanding, but we did it. We also raised money for Union City Church, and over the last 18 months as a church, we were able to give Union City $450,000 to launch a church in the heart of Washington, D.C. That is, I believe, I, I told my brother this on the phone the other day, I said, Brandon, I truly believe what God is doing there is revival. Sorry. And the coolest part about this, yeah, it's my brother, so I'm proud of him. But the coolest part about this is we did that. We raised $450,000 and launched a church right in the middle of what Satan thought he had on lockdown. And we said, we're coming into your territory and we're bringing the Holy Spirit and we're gonna have revival. It's amazing to see what God has done. When it comes to Union City, I wanna tell you a little bit of the backstory, and I just have a few more, uh, more minutes on this, but I'll never forget when I talked about faith at the beginning, moving from conventional wisdom, what God was calling us, and specifically me, him saying, Dustin, you've gotta move from wrapping your mind around everything. Conventional wisdom, wisdom's good, but faith is beyond it. I, I will never forget, Brandon and Delaney had shared with Mandy and I at a restaurant here in town, <clears throat> I believe in 2018 or early 19, that they had felt like God had called them to plant a church specifically in Washington, D.C. And I remember that conversation and then like doing the timeline of like when Mandy and I were um, uh, gonna be stepping in to lead the church and, and I was like, okay, I think this can work, this is good. And then six weeks after we started pastoring, you know, the pandemic hit. 
And honestly, I, I wasn't thinking much about Union City at that point. I was just thinking like, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing. You know, like, like what, what are we gonna do right now? You know, we're trying to figure out online church and I'm preaching to a camera and walking off the stage going, I don't wanna do this anymore. You know, that kind of thing, right? And so we're in the spring and all of a sudden in May, things were kind of calming down. We kind of, kind of became a new way of life, sadly. We went on vacation and Brandon and I that year in 2020 went to a, a Starbucks. We were on vacation with our whole family. And I met with him and I said, Brandon, do you, do you still feel like the timeline is announcing it this fall and you guys moving out in uh, January of 2021. So that was that fall, 2020. And he looked at me and you could tell there almost like he felt bad because we were in the middle of a pandemic, but he said, I do. He said, I really feel like God spoke that. And I looked at him and I said, if you know, I said, that makes me nervous. That's what I told him. But I said, if you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God called you to do it in that time, we're gonna go all in. And he said, okay. I got back and I met with our board and they had known about it and, and what was coming, but I said, Brandon's gonna be coming and, and presenting um, their Union City vision and what God's gonna do. And, and I said, before he comes in, I said, I don't have a number in my head, that's what we're for, to collectively decide. But I said, I know this, God has me in a season of faith, and I really believe when I've been praying about this that God is saying, I want us to sacrifice at a level it stings, but not at a level where it handicaps or debilitates our, our vision. It's gotta sting or it's not sacrifice. And I said, I also I really feel like when I'm praying about this, that God said this, if you build there, I will build here. And I'll be honest, like when we first became pastors, I had this dream of we're gonna expand right away. We're gonna start launching campuses and, and we're, we're gonna take this city by storm and we're gonna move beyond Albuquerque. And I knew this that day as I was saying that to the board and it came out of my mouth. I knew that everything I felt in my heart that we were supposed to do here would be on the back burner because the finances that it would take to launch Union City would be at a level where we could probably not keep expanding here until we had caught up financially from that. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing. Obeying God fully, even in moments where it, it, it goes beyond your human desire, wanting, but when you're able to do it, it rips the selfishness out of you. And I believe that's what God is waiting for because there are selfish parts of me just like selfish parts of you. And I, it came out of my mouth, and once it came out, I knew I could never take it back, but that's what God was wanting me to say. Boom, and I said it. Brandon came in, presented, it was amazing. He and Delaney, they left, and we talked, and we prayed for about a month. We came back to the next board meeting, and the number that came out was this, 450,000. And I was looking around going, ah, ah, okay, God is good, you know, kind of thing, like 450,000. You know, like, it's just, you know, but I just felt God keep saying, Dustin, if you build there, I will build here. In a year ago, in 2021, Union City officially launched at the beginning of September. I landed, I've shared this story before, but I landed back in Albuquerque on that Monday following the launch on their Sunday. Sunday, September 11th, right? Was it the 11th or something like that? The next day, we landed back here in Albuquerque. I get a phone call from one of the denominational leaders here in our state, and he said, hey, I've been talking to a pastor and um, I really feel like you guys need to meet. And that pastor was Paul Reyes right here on the front row. So I really feel like you guys need to meet. God, I feel like God is doing something. And I said, okay. I, don't, I honestly had no idea what it was about. We went and met for lunch and God bonded our hearts that day. And he pastored, he pastored a church on Alameda and Wyoming, an amazing church and with amazing people. And we started through conversations that fall and what started to come out of that was Paul saying, what would it look like for us to become a campus? 
And I, I said, I, here's, here's what it would look like. And so within a couple months, the day after I got back from us launching, or launching Union City, I got that phone call. And within two months, it was solidified that this amazing church and property on Alameda in Wyoming was given to us. And I, I remember, I'll never forget last December, I was preparing for our Christmas Eve services and I was sitting back there and I just started reflecting on the miracle of God whispering in my ear, faith, I will build here if you build there. And God fulfilled every single one of his promises. And what's so, yes, I think we can clap to that. And what's so amazing is what we have been giving Union City every month for the last 18 months is the exact amount of money that we need to sustain our North Campus when we launch it. Which is amazing because part of Heart for the House, Heart for the House offering is going toward North. I'm gonna talk about that. But what's amazing is the sustainability. It was like God said, I want you to practice with Union City, bless them and launch them. I'm gonna gift you a church and a property and then the amount you were giving is the amount you need. And we worked it into our budgets and we thrived as a church. God is good, is he not? God is good. The next section on, on here, still under movement, is giving. You guys still, is this, is this interesting to you guys? You guys with me? All right, it's giving. So this year, we are projected by the end of 2022, and that's obviously very clear now because we're in November, we are projecting a 41% increase since end of year 2019 to end of year 2022, a 41% increase in overall income as a church. So what happened between 2000, end of 2019 and right now? A pandemic. A pandemic happened. And we went up 41% in giving and income. Now I also have pastor friends who would probably tell me, if you're gonna have a heart for the house offering and ask your church to give, probably don't say that you've gone up 41% in giving over the last few years. But this is what I know. If you're like me, I don't like giving to something that's desperate. I like giving to something that's strong, that has a strong plan for the future, that is amazing at stewarding things. I'm so grateful for our finance team, our board, people that steward and care for this as if it is their own child. And it's amazing to see what God has done. We are not just okay. We are not just good. We are a strong church, primed and ready for God to do something amazing in and through us in the future. New people, I wanna hit this too, still under movement. Adults, new people that have come, come since 2000, end of 2019, 4,500, 4,520 brand new people, brand new people have attended Citizen Church since the end of 2019. 4,520 that have filled out cards. That's not even including the ones that didn't. With our open houses, our, our next step process, since that same time, 1,348 people have attended our open houses. Guys, that's a miracle. It's a miracle what God is doing. Right now in our serve team, in our database, we have 1,241 active serve team members in our church right now. 1,241. It's yes, cl keep clapping, this is amazing. 
Man, when the president gives his State of the Union address, people are clapping all the time, except when it's not your party, then those people are sitting down and frowning and these people are clapping, right? But we don't have that. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Okay, so new people. Next gen. We've had 400, and this is just since January of this year, 450 new kids have entered our software, check-in software, children, since January of this year. 450. This year, since January 22, 347 new teenagers, brand new teenagers, have attended our youth ministry on Tuesday nights. Yes, amazing. Throughout the pandemic, 434 individual college students and young adults um, completed at least one course of our discipleship program called Citizen U. That's amazing, 434. And right now, a few months ago, we launched once a month services for our college students and young adults, and over 250 young adults are already attending once a month our college and young adult service. God is on the move. The next section of our vision statement, physical and spiritual renewal of cities and nations. We have successfully, we've invested, there's so many things I could say, and I've got to move quickly now, but we have successfully helped raise graduation rates in two public high schools that we've been working with in the last few years. That's one of the things that we set out to do. Highland, we started investing in Highland in 2017, and since our investment in tutoring and what we, our, our student growth center we built on the campus, we have seen a 12.1% increase in graduation rates in 2017. It was 54.2, and in 2021, um, it, it was 66.3%, their graduation rate. Um, Manzano High School has seen a 7.2% in increase in their graduation rate since 2019, our investment in them with the same um, student growth centers. In 2019, 72.2% graduation rate, 2021, 79.4% graduation rate. Isn't this amazing? I love the fact that God has built bridges in our city, in our community, with non-Christian institutions that we become friends with and partners with because part of our calling is to see the physical renewal of cities and nations. Global missions is also some, a huge part of what we do as a church. And since the end of 2019, we have given $324,574 to global missions in Mexico, Kenya, Thailand, Haiti, Tunisia, and Ecuador. It's amazing. Do you, are you starting to see how generous of a church we are? That it, God gives and God blesses but the calling isn't for people as individuals or churches to hoard. The calling is to say, God, as you give, we will freely give because we can never outgive God. We can never outgive him. The last part of our vision statement is restoring hope and purpose to every person. I got permission to share a story of, of an amazing lady in our church. I got permission this last week, and it's so cool. It goes back, though, um, seven or eight years ago. That we, at that time, a staff member and her husband, um, they're now with Union City Church, they, they helped launch Union City, they're in DC, but at that time they became foster parents, they couldn't have biological kids of their own, they became foster parents, and the very first um, baby girl they got um, as they were fostering, the beautiful little girl named Sandra, and they had told us that their, Sandra's mom had gone through just a rough patch, a rough season, like many of us have, a rough season and different dynamics in, in their family and, and found herself in a position where um, custody was lost of Sandra. But God is good, Sorry. And God is sovereign, and I, I love what he does because she didn't just go to any family. She went to John and Sharice Repke, 
amazing, amazing godly family in our church. And what's so cool is John and Sharice believe in, and we as a church believe, absolutely we invest in foster families, but we also absolutely believe that when it can happen and when it's healthy, we believe in the biological restoration of families as well. And so John and Sharice open up their heart to Sandra's mom. Sandra's mom, Katrina, this amazing member of our church now, started coming. And she started coming and she gave her life to Christ. She got baptized. She stood on the stage with John and Sharice and their family as she dedicated Sandra to the Lord, the foster parents and Katrina. Katrina, just not too long after that, because of the lifestyle change and because of who she had become, was awarded custody of Sandra. Amazing. During that time, Katrina was a recipient of our, our um, Holiday Hope Thanksgiving boxes that we're, we raised money for and we're doing next week. She, raised, uh, she was a recipient of those boxes and this year was the very first year she said that she went up to the table and was able to financially purchase a, a Holiday Hope box for a family in need. Guys, you can't make this stuff up. I couldn't write a better script, but God is the best script writer because he can flip scripts, he can turn situations that look dire into something beautiful. And Katrina, I don't believe she's in this service, she's gonna be in our second too, but when you see Katrina, make sure you just, I mean, cheer her on because she is just an incredible lady that is committed to God and her daughter. Isn't God good? But we're committed to restoring hope and purpose to individuals, not just ambiguous cities, but the individual people. We have to see individuals because every person has a story. This year's Heart for the House offering on December 4th, like I mentioned, is going to our North Campus. And I tell you this vision today and breaking down this vision statement and, and telling you the state of our church is strong. And I tell you that because this year we're actually upping the amount of, of money we're gonna raise. We're setting a goal because this year is a faith, it's a faith year. Every single year, this is what's cool, every single year we have set a goal and we've surpassed it. Every single year we've done Heart for the House, we said, hey, if we hit this goal, this is what we're gonna do. We have done and completed every single endeavor we have ever put before you when the money was raised to do so. Every single one of them. I think that's amazing. And this year we're going to up the amount. I have great news, we have officially broken ground on our North Campus, finally. It's everything going on in the world right now is stalled and it was driving me crazy. But we've officially broken ground and they're gonna scroll through a few pictures behind me of just some of the things. We're gutting a lot of the building, we're remodeling, expanding, and we will be in this campus. It will have an opening this next year. Over the next two months, hopefully we are able by the rally, our rally conference, to tell you on Vision Sunday at an exact date we will be in this building, but we are moving as fast as we can. Um, we're excited about it and God is doing amazing things. But all of that also to say, uh, we have an updated look at our North Campus building that we're launching in 2023 on Alameda and Wyoming, and I want you guys to take a look at this.
You guys excited? I'm so excited for this. And, and here, here's what's so cool about it. It's, it's not a building for the sake of a building. How amazing is it to know right now in our city, there are families, children, adults, senior citizens, and college students have no idea about our church. More importantly, they have no idea about God and what God wants to do in their lives. And knowing that when we launch this church, when we sacrificially give, there will be hundreds if not thousands who will come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ because of the house of the Lord that we will be building. So here's my desire, and then I'm gonna close in prayer. My desire as your pastor is this, is over the next four weeks, I want you to genuinely pray. The amount that we give in Heart for the House, there is no set amount that I will give you as an individual. There, there's no percentage, because Heart for the House is above and beyond the tithe. But it's completely between you and God. What I love about God is whatever is a sacrifice for you, we serve the God of multiplication, like he did with the little boy's lunch, with the feeding of the 5,000. God multiplies sacrifice. And my desire and what I'm asking you to do is every single person, we're having our kids, we're talking about it in kids ministry today, every single person to sacrifice something. And I promise you, we will hit our goal. We've never had a goal larger than 350,000. We've always hit the goal though. This year, we are raising the goal to $500,000 that we will raise in the month of December for Heart for the House. That's a stretch goal, it's a faith goal. But what this will allow us to do we're at a place where we can work North Campus into our budgets. We can work even the vast majority of the building into our budgets, but we need $500,000 because of where we're at with inflation and things going on in our society. We need $500,000 to completely finish this property. Isn't it cool that we didn't, we didn't have a capital campaign? We didn't have a year-long fundraising thing, and we didn't do any of that. But here at the end of the year, we're saying if everybody sacrifices something, we will hit that goal we have sports courts on the property. We're wanting it to become a community center on that area of town and where people can be restored and relationships with God can be built. So on December 4th, we're gonna start collecting that offering and you'll have the full month of December. But on that day, we're all gonna come forward and have that red envelope in the back of your seats and we're gonna drop our, our offerings on that day at the front into buckets at the front and we're gonna pray over that offering. And I believe over the course of that last month, we're gonna be able to come up here and say, we hit $500,000, the campus is 100% go and this is when we want to launch it. Guys, are you excited about what God is doing in our church? I know today was different, but my desire is that today was faith-filling for you. My desire is that you're leaving today now knowing, now knowing what you're a part of so you can have a heart for this house and allow God to work mightily through you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for today. And God, I pray for every person here. God, I pray that you would increase our faith. God, I pray that as we plan to sacrificially give, that God, you would be the God who says, who are, who is who you says you are, God, and that you would come and invest into our lives as well. As we sacrifice, God, I pray that you would multiply it. God, I pray that businesses can be restored through a sacrificial offering. God, I pray that when we take this offering, it will be a seed that we are planting that we will see the multiplication of fruit from. We thank you, Father, for blessing our church, for having your hand on us during this season. You are an awesome God, and we are honored to be a part of what you're doing through the church. We thank you, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. <laughs>